Hey, what's up? What's going on? This is Matthew Kirby, host of the Dear Fathers Podcast, and we're back for another episode. And what's good, everybody? It's Jesse Alex, the co-founder of Dear Fathers, also your co-host of the Dear Fathers Podcast, and y'all already know we're the premier media platform for black fatherhood. Get ready for another episode in three, two, one. represent the house like Congress. You ain't on unless your whole team on. Think it sounds for the Hey everybody, what's up? This is Baron Davis. You're rocking with Dear Fathers, the premier media platform for black fatherhood. This episode is sponsored by my company, You Wish and Black Santa, a company where we believe that giving has no season. You wish it, you dream it, and it will come true. What's up? What's going on? Welcome back to another week, another conversation, another just all around good vibe on the Dear Fathers podcast. This is your host, Matthew Kirby, and I'm excited to be here talking to another amazing dad, a hell of a dad. And just like us, like so many of you all, another fellow black men. Y'all know how I do. I am so excited, ready to rock and roll and get right to it. So without further ado, welcome amazing actor, producer, and father, Demetrius Gross to the Dear Fathers podcast. Demetrius, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Hey, what's up, Matthew? Thank you and Jesse for having me on the show, man. I've been following you guys for some time now, and uh, you guys are a great source of inspiration for us, guys. So I'm just glad to be uh, now into the fold of uh, this amazing podcast. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Jesse, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling great as always, man. These conversations, as you know, Matthew, are very therapeutic for me. Demetrius, you're going to find out today that I learned a lot from these conversations. And um, like you said, you've been following us for a minute. I'm glad we finally got you on. We had some back and forth and and some delays and and getting you involved. But I'm glad we finally had the opportunity to have you on. So I'm really excited today to just hear about who you are as a father and kind of unpack that, man. So let's get to it. Absolutely. And you know what, fellas, fellas, before we get into the meat, potatoes or everything, I always like to check in to see how our guest is doing. So I'm not going to treat you any different, Demetrius. How you doing, man? How you feeling? Corona has been a hell of a hell of a thing this year. So how you holding up? How you dealing with it? I feel good, man. I feel like, you know, I'm blessed. I'm operating in purpose, on purpose. Um, and uh, everybody in my family as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's a challenging time for a lot of us. Um, but at the end of the day, like it, it's all happening on purpose. I, you know, it's ironic that we're doing this dear father's talk because the coronavirus has definitely, you know, made the family structure a lot more nucleic than we could have ever anticipated, you know? So that's, um, that's actually been a silver lining to all of this. So I'm doing well, man. Absolutely. Good to hear. And you know what? I feel like so many people know, know you from your acting career, all the different movies and shows that you've been on over the years. But at one point, you weren't really considering acting. You know, if I if I remember correctly, you know, you were thinking about getting into coding, maybe even being a vet, maybe even barbering, everything but acting. So I guess at what point, you know, when did you kind of figure out, you know what, you know, I'm supposed to be an actor or that was my calling? Yeah, I was coding in college. I went to Carnegie Mellon uh, for for uh, undergrad, and I think my like my my student job was doing you know simple HTML uh, coding, but it, it was cool because it was probably one of the most um, 
one of the most high paying student student jobs, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it really wasn't my thing. After a while, right. I was like, okay, the check is good, but this this isn't necessarily for me. But I'm definitely trying to get my kids into it. But then, like you know, man, I had always been acting, so I was acting as early as fifth grade, doing plays and um, loved animals. So I wanted to to be a veterinarian. Um, studied that at, at a little bit of that at a Howard uh, Howard University summer enrichment program. Um, the math and science initiative with a focus in uh, veterinary medicine. But ultimately, man, I think it was, it was a high school. It was high school. Um, the first time I did a Shakespeare play um, that I was like, Oh, this is, um, this resonates with me. And I, I, I had um, the opportunity to, to, to be a lead for the first time in my school's 200 year history as a black man and went to college and majored in it. And, and, fell in love with it as not only as a, as a craft, but, you know, it's such a unique profession and provides so many opportunities uh, to travel the world and, and connect with different people of all walks of life. Nah, that's what's up, man. And I'm going I'm to drop a little fun fact here today about myself. I, I've never talked about this on the podcast. Uh, Matthew, I don't even know if you know this, actually. So uh, I went to school for graphic design and web development. So I went to school for coding. Well, while in school, I did a little bit of acting. I went to school at the Art Institute of Atlanta. And um, I did a lot of like um, uh, extra roles and I did some stand in work and I had one small little, I wouldn't even call it a role. It was like 10 seconds on read between the lines. I was Tracy Ellis Ross uh, patient. Um, I don't know if you remember the show it was a BET show. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross, I was her patient and we kind of exchanged some words and I walked out and that was it. But then I realized acting wasn't for me. So I was the opposite. Acting wasn't for me. I didn't want to be in front of the camera. All the like strain that comes in front of like with it. Like I just, so now, you know, outside of their fathers, I was, I work in like, you know, I build websites for my clients and things like that. So kind of did the opposite of you, man. I, I've never talked about that before, but just a little bit of a fun fact. And even to kind of talk about your career and what you're doing now, you were recently on one of the most popular shows that's, out right now that everybody's talking about Lovecraft Country. Tell us more about working on that set and, and how that was. Yeah, that's that was uh, that was a dream, man. Like, um, actually, I had uh, the opportunity of um, knowing Misha Green before we. At one, once upon a time, we had lived in the same building. This was before she had written Underground, um, and obviously, bef- way before she had um, she had produced. Lovecraft Country. And we had always sort of ruminated about the idea of us working together. And it just kind of happened synchronistically because I was um I was brought in to to read for the part of Marvin Baptiste um through uh casting director who some people know her in an industry named Kim Coleman. Kim, uh she's a phenomenal casting director. She's a sister. She uh casts a whole bunch of Spike Lee joints and things of that nature. But um so it just so happened that it was a good fit. Uh, the Marvin Baptiste character, who um, is uh, Journey Smollett, who plays Letty, uh, and uh, Wyumi, uh, who plays uh, Ruby, their brother. Um, and, um, you know, it was it was phenomenal because I got a chance to work with Emmy winners, like, you know, Courtney Vance and, and um, Jonathan Majors, who's just on fire right now. Like, I like working with, with people who um, take their craft seriously, but don't take themselves too seriously in their craft. And that was yeah. the energy on set. Like, it was just, it was real fun, playful, but these people who are really at the top of their game. And uh, and to be able to talk, to, to be able to 
to talk to them offset and and it be a continuum of that energy of like, yo, we're doing something that's important. Blacks in the sci-fi space, in the in the thriller genre, but in a highly sophisticated, highly um uh intellectual um realm. It it's it was just powerful. Like it was it was one of those opportunities that I, I couldn't say no to. Like you get that call, you take that call and you do that and you do the work, right? So right. We'll see if it, if, it, if it moves moves forward. I think my character's still in, in the um in the mix. So, uh, looking forward to hopefully getting a season two on the show and uh, and seeing how we can learn learn more about Marvin Baptiste and how he can uh hopefully influence the plot a little bit more. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty dope. And damn, Jesse, I ain't know you was acting. I mean, should I have you know read some scripts back in the day too? You know, I got two actors. <laughs> On here today, but no, it's all. But you know, it's funny. I mean, with the internet now and with and with social media, like you, by being a host on a podcast like right. this, like you, some of those elements of acting in terms of reaching an audience, uh, having a message, um, your your persona being out there and being a public yeah. figure, you know, Facebook Live, Instagram, IG Reels, TikTok. Like it's all, it's yeah. all decentralized. <laughs> yeah. The power structure, or the, or you know how exclusive um, right. it used to be. So yeah. you're doing it. You, you're yeah. doing, you, right. you may not be in a character, but you're uh-huh. okay. making um, making inroads in people's lives in a visual and, and audio way. So oh yeah, for sure. And I, I just got to give Jesse a hard time from time to time. Always <laughs> finding out fun facts and everything, but. You know, even just thinking about your career, I mean, I I know, like I said earlier, you've done a ton of different things. And even just thinking about what you've done so far, what's been kind of like your, you know, most proud moment so far in your career? And I think my proudest moment was I got a chance to work on um, this movie called um, 13 Hours. It was a Michael Bay movie. And I was able to bring my whole family with me. Uh, we shot the movie in Malta, which is about 500 um, nautical miles from Libya off the north coast of Africa. And so I had learned somewhere through the grapevine that uh, if the deal is, you know, if, if the picture is big enough and if, and if you, I guess, bring a certain amount to the table that you can factor in spousal travel and things of that nature. So acting and being in cinema, television, and film, it's, um, the end is not just the movie. It's really about the experience, you know, the experience that, that it, uh, that it provides you and, and your loved ones. So that was a real corner turn point for me, uh, where I realized that not only could I, could I, uh, do this thing that I love, but I could provide, help provide opportunities and experiences with my family in, in a way that I may not be able to otherwise. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty dope. And I always wondered, you know, just even when I think about different actors, entertainers, other creatives, if when some of those projects do come up, how they can go about really not making it seem where their family, their lives have to be excluded for the sake of being this character or for the Mm -hmm. sake of being in whatever role for a period of time. So even just to have the chance for, you know, your wife, your kids, you know, whoever just to really see, okay, daddy in character. All right, daddy can act a little bit. You know, he can do a little something, something to really just be able to share that experience. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's pretty dope. And even just thinking about, you know, the road ahead of you, like I know there's probably a ton of things 
that you got going on. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But is there anyone that you would like to work with in the future that maybe you haven't had the chance with yet? Yeah, well, a lot, you know, there's a ton of actors and so many actors, but really directors I'm really excited to to hopefully get to work with. Um, so many directors um, from Fuqua to Spike um, to, uh, gosh, Ron Howard, George Lucas, um, so many names that, that mm-hmm. I, they're not even coming to my mind at the moment. Um, but, you know, actors, I could name a few, but really, truthfully, I, I want to work with any actor that um, brings the A-game and, and also wants to play and, and, and takes the work seriously, um, but don't take themselves too seriously in the work. So that is kind of my MO about it. Um, I, I leave a lot of it in God's hands. You never know, you know, like who's going to show up on any day on a call sheet when you, when you're acting, like it was ironic. Like I, I just did a episode of NCIS LA and I'm a big LL fan, right? Like just back in the day from all the way back from rock, the yeah. Bells to, you know, all of that. And it was just funny that we never really worked together on the show. So I, I worked on the show for a whole week, but just the way that the show was boarded, we never really got a chance to rap, like to talk to each other. So you almost can't put too much on like who you work with so much as you focus on like how you're going to work with those people when you get the opportunity. Um, and so my list is, is, is more keen to like the directors and I just look forward to what, what whichever actor I get a chance to, to rock with. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense, man. And we wish you the best, you know, when it comes to that journey, hope you get to work with all the producers, actors uh, that you, you know, hope to work with and just wishing you well along the way, as far as all the things that you got going uh, love Cap Country coming back, hopefully, and, you know, seeing where your character goes on there. And obviously, everybody remembers you as, you know, from straight out of Compton as Rock. So, yeah, we commend you and salute you on, you know, your acting career. But let's dive into, you know, the, uh, the 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 real, what we came here to talk about, man. Who, yeah, who the, the real deal. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Come on with All it. Let's go being a Let's dive into it, man. Who, who are you as a dad? Who are you as a father? Man, I am a, a passionate dad. I'm a, I'm a dad that's real grateful that I have a partner and a life partner, my wife, um, because, you know, we're, we're compliments of each other. There's a great book I would recommend everybody called uh, Complementarity. Uh, you can Google that. Um, but as a father, man, I am a um, I'm an artistic father. And when I say artistic, I mean that in the sense of like, I take one day at a time and try to be a little like a, a very present with with my kids, like seeing where they are and 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 pushing them, but not uh, forcing them into directions, letting letting them organically um, reveal who they are. You know, my children are very are still pretty young. Uh, I got a seven year old uh, son, a six year old son and a two year old daughter. So. Um, much of who they are still being revealed, but I am a father who is, is intentional about uh, getting them exposed to things that uh, could maybe spark an interest. Um, we're playful um, and we are uh, explorative with our children in terms of uh, introducing them to stuff and 
and you know it's important for us to or important for us to have them you know be bilingual so they're learning french and and in english and but also learning bits of swahili it's important for them to really know their culture um and to know the history of our culture in this continent and on the mother continent and uh having the verbiage to to express express themselves and where they fit into that paradigm uh if that begins to answer your question what kind of father such a powerful question but what kind of father yeah, man. I mean, that that answered it wholeheartedly. I mean, that's who you are as a father. Um, and that's just what it is. I mean, I feel like, those, like you said, the question is, you know, everybody's going to have a different answer to it. But it sounds like you got a good grasp on, you know, who you are as a dad, which is super dope. And just, you know, kind of one thing that we do on social media, we have a, uh, a storytelling series called Dads and Delivery, which uh, kind of opens up about fathers in the delivery room, because we feel like that's super important because, 99% of the times we hear about the moms, right? Like what they're going through delivering the kids. But like us as men, we we going through something, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally too as well. So can you take us back to that first experience in the delivery room, man? What, yes. what were your thoughts, you know, mentally? How were you feeling emotionally? And even, you know, after that first time, did you have those same kind of thoughts and feelings the next time you were in the delivery room? Like take us back to that, that feeling, that moment. My first son was born all of my children were born at home um my wife and i were really keen on the um the the rates of tragedy that happened in hospitals for black women um i mean the numbers were staggering and we were fortunate enough to connect with a um uh, a doula program and a, a midwifery program um and so we were able to have the the support around us to have a, a healthy birth at home. And um, we wanted to do it like, you know, on some like Erica Badu type of, <laughs> type of vibe. So, so we, we, we had a, we had like a pool, like the, the, we wanted the kids to be born underwater and, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't put no $3 and $3 and six dimes in there like that. We didn't go down. Right. <laughs> we were trying to get like the whole, you know, holistic, you know, we had the, honestly, we had candles, we had the grandmothers in there in the, in the front room praying. And, you know, we had, the, um, we had the gospel music going. That was the first baby. The first baby was born. Uh, my son, Pata, he was, uh, he was like, I don't know. He, I don't know. Maybe she labored for. Um, she's gonna. She's gonna get upset because I'm a. I'm a misquote. And you better say the right answer. I'm trying to tell you. She look like she rapped. I'm just saying this. I don't remember how long <laughs> the. Um, I don't remember how long the uh, the the labor was, but I do remember um, him being born and coming out and and he just looked at me without crying. It was the most interesting fascinating thing ever because when we when we see birth on tv it seems like just a war zone (laughs) everybody's crying the mother's crying the dad's crying the the nurse is crying but in my son's birth he just came out and just looked at me and just started blinking his eyes like hey what's up what we gonna do (laughs) you know (laughs) and um i remember that day at the time i had been trying to trying to sign with caa it's a big like uh agency out in l.a and New York, actually, all over the world. But they called me that day. But all of my calls were going to voicemail. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got one of those, like, big business calls. And I was like, man, they got to go to voicemail, you know, just because it was 
it was, it was like the world kind of stopped. You know, it was the first time I ever had a had a had a child, and I was actually helping the delivery process, like helping my my wife birth the baby in terms as much as I can in terms of like clearing the perineum and all of that stuff. So um, it was um, it was powerful. And that's the one I only have photos of. I didn't get any video, but the second one, second one we got video, and the third I think we got some. We also got some video. Even even just thinking about what you're saying is. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, some of my experiences, too. So, you know, we did more of what you all did for the first child, for the second child. But for the uh, for the first one, you know, we definitely had essentially that that kind of death rate in mind in terms of, you know, how hospitals and all that, you know, tend to just treat black bodies in the first place. But, you know, yeah. luckily, we kind of lucked out on the first go round, uh, had my daughter at that point at a uh, pretty dope hospital. So it was a pretty, pretty good experience from that part. You know, just something about the living room. I think we were a little bit more on that side of the spectrum, um, but we ended up uh, using a, a midwife. So, you know, it was a little bit more holistic and all that stuff and everything. And, uh, you know, it really makes the difference between, and again, for anyone who's watching or listening, you know, mm-hmm. it's the births, pregnancies, deliveries is never what you see on TV, it's always something different. And it's one of those things, you know, don't don't get caught up into how sometimes it's exaggerated. Or when I even think about that episode of Martin, how the baby just shot out and he caught it. And I was like, man, I wish, you know, I, I'm sure everybody wished it was that easy, but you know, it's, it's always something unique. It's always something different. So that's, that's good to uh, hear that you tapped into that. And even just, you know, thinking about, you know, from the delivery room all the way up to today and even how your kids will continue to grow up, you know, what's been kind of like your, your biggest hurdle uh, that you faced so far in fatherhood and what'd you do to overcome? It? Um, I think the biggest hurdle for, for myself and my, my wife has probably been, you know, wanting to be disciplinarians, but not wanting to harbor and perpetuate um, enslaved psychology. So what does that mean? Let me let me just very quickly break it down. Like, okay, like when when did when does somebody need a spank? Like when does somebody need a pow pow? And mm-hmm. is that is that necessary? You know, in every instance that it was necessary when we were kids. You know, and how much? And these are all questions. I don't have answers yet, but these are just the things that that ruminate with us. We, you know, the discipline is is one of those things that has to take place in the household that it really should start first in the household yeah. i mean we've all heard the the adage you know if you don't discipline your kids the state will right so yeah we we are um we're constantly um talking to elders talking to our our um our you know our parents and other and our our peers who are parents about ways to um to intelligently and compassionately discipline our kids, but in a way that's not colored or influenced by um, doctrine that may no longer serve us in our in our culture and our community. Um, so that's one of the challenges. And then the other challenge, real quick, is just uh, wanting to really be present in our work as young professionals. Like you're an entrepreneur, you know, which podcasts and all the other dynamic things you're doing, and, and you too as well, Jesse. Like wanting to be present in this flux of our thirties and in our forties and, and, and still being, having such great earning potential, but, but really our, our, our main and primordial focus 
and responsibility being to our children. So yeah. just finding those balances between those two things has been um, probably the big, some of the biggest challenges uh, so that you can be present at home with the kids and be present in your work and your, um, and your projects. And that's, that's totally under, understandable, right? Like it's finding that like, you know, 50, 50, you know, happy medium is probably always going to be the struggle, no matter what you got going on and being, you know, that, you know, like you said, we're entrepreneurs, you're an actor. Like I, that's always got to be tough. But I think the important part is just continuing to try to figure it out. Right. Like continuing to try to be better each and every day. And uh, just thinking about, you know, your journey, your life and your household, how important is it for you to show your kids what black love looks like in the home? Right. Like how important is it for you to show your children, you know, what it looks like for a black man to love a black woman and, and vice versa? That's that's big. That's everything. And in fact, if I feel like if I didn't see that on some level, it would be in 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 today's society, it would be and in yesterday's society, it would be very it could be very challenging, you know, like it, it was important for me to see, you know, the man I know is my father who raised me to uh, to do sweet things for my mom and and to uh, and for Valentine's Day to be a big deal and for him and for them to go out and go on, you know, boat cruises and stuff like that. Like it's um for us, we, you know, we're affectionate around each other in front of them, you know, with discretion. We don't go all the way, you know, we don't round <laughs> second. <laughs> we don't round second or go to third. But, you know, we'll smooch or something to hug each other. And um and we also try to try to keep the challenging conversations between us. Like, you know, when when if there's any kind of thing that is a little bit more heavy, then we we try not to put that in front of the children uh in a way that they may not be prepared for. Um and so for us, it is important for them to see to see us love on each other, support each other, and also for us to work together. So my wife is a producer and an event coordinator and a bunch of um, other hyphenists, but it's important for them to see us working towards goals mm-hmm. and achieving those goals together. Okay. Right. So that they can um, see cooperation and enter the, the like, the inner communication between a a black man and a black woman that produces fruit in real time and what that process looks like. Yeah, man, that's, that's pretty solid. And then, you know, even when we were, you know, talking earlier today before we got recorded, you know, I'm thinking about my kiddos, my three-year-old and my one-year-old, I still feel like in some senses I'm at the very beginning. So even just trying to really kind of manage and figure all that out, you know, I'm, I'm newly 30 not too long ago. So I'm like right in the middle of that earnest potential, right? Just want to go, 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 go. And just, you know, set it up to be on cruise control later on in life. But even just thinking about some of the examples that you and your wife do and how some of those conversations, you all use that discretion. Like for us, you know, we kind of talk about my my wife and I, we argue about the, uh, the surface level things, right? How many slices of cheese you want in your sandwich? What you want to eat for dinner? Well, I thought you said burgers, now you want pizza, you know, you know, just platonic things like that. But even just <laughs> even just realizing, you know, all right, you know, this is a little bit heavier. So let's just try to change yeah. the subject in front of them. Come back to it. But, you know, let's let's keep that in mind. And even when I think about my oldest, you know, she's I feel like she's in that parrot phrase. Like, you know, if we say or do something, 
she gonna say or do something. So really just constantly trying to keep that, you know, discretion and even just thinking about our careers, you know, currently we're in a situation where I'm working and rocking and rolling and doing everything. And, you know, my, my wife is with the kiddos and everything. So just really understanding what if any such thing is a balance. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, that you, you mentioned balance. It's like, we also have to balance, like when we have multiple children, it's important for us to balance how we engage with each of them individually and um, not necessarily make examples out of them to their siblings, right? Like we got to find ways. That's a little tough sometimes. Yeah, I know. We yeah. I, somebody, we, yeah. I slip sometimes like, see what your brother doing? <laughs> That's what you're not supposed to do. Right. Um, but like, it, it's it's important to, to take our kids um, one-on-one as who they are as individuals. And, and that sometimes can be a challenge as well when you have um, more than one child. Uh, and so those are just things that I think, I think it's important for us to be keen on and, and, and to continue to, to develop the, the techniques to deal with. It's, um, there's a lot of books written, but there's no manual, you know? Right. Yep. Everybody, everybody want to be the expert unless it's uh, your child specifically, but no, that's, that's so important to really consider and think about. And even just, kind of shifting gears some, you know, what was your relationship with your dad? Like, you know, what was, yeah. you know, what was, what was daddy gross like? So I'm, I'm really, you know, and I've asked, been asked this question before. I'm a bit <laughs> Cause like, I'm really unabashed about it. Like I, I'm, I'm really transparent because it was really kind of beautiful. My, my biological father, he, I, I didn't know him until I was about 22 years old. He was working with, with the feds and working. And he was like kind of a street dude and, he was towing the line and he had to get out of town. I think they had some contracts out on him or something, you know, so I didn't get a chance to really meet him. So I was 22. But in that time from, from like the age of five to 22, I was raised by, um, my, my mother's husband, who is the man I know as my father, who, who raised me up and, and told me responsibility. So I had a, I had a, a very, I think special upbringing in regards to like having a father. And then I had phenomenal mentors. Some are with me to this day. Like uh, I had a guy who I met in first grade who I talked to just last week, you know, and I call these guys big brother, but in a lot of ways, they're father figures, you know? And um, I, I would say to the, to the men out there who are fathers, you know, lean into that, to that, that old, almost cliche adage that says that it takes a village. You know, like I, I had a man who I know is my father, but for whatever reason, he wasn't, um, his ego wasn't too big or he wasn't intimidated by having other positive black, black men in my life to help, you know, smooth that thing on out. Yeah. <laughs> in the immortal words of, uh, <laughs> of Cedric the Entertainer. But, you know, like, it, it was important to him, I think, to have, and he transitioned a few years ago, so he's no longer with us, but I think it was important to to him um, to see me develop in other areas where he may not have been sh- the strongest lead on, but he still wanted those things to develop in me and my and my brother. And so um, that's something that, I, that I'm actually also working on is like, who are the other... Uh, strong, intelligent black men that I can uh, that I can align my sons with that can uh, e- evolve them and and supplement maybe things that I I don't necessarily uh, am, am inclined to you know right 
And that's challenging sometimes for us as men, you know what I mean? But it's, it can be a really healthy thing for our kids, you know, if we're yeah. uh, if we're able to introduce them to our friends and colleagues or, or men that we can that we feel like we can trust, you know, and that we have a respect for. Yeah, no, that's that's super. And have respect for us and our kids. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's super commendable, man. Because like you said, for us as black men, sometimes it's hard. That ego kind of sits with us a lot of times and feel like we got it all figured out. But for him to acknowledge, you know, what he was strong at. <laughs> And what he wasn't strong at and then implement or, you know, introduce you to other people that could help you, you know, grow within your journey in other ways. That's that's super dope. Man. And yeah, it is showing up in, in, in your life as an adult, as a father. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that, that that's real commendable. man. I, uh, I love to hear, hear stuff like that. And even just thinking about a segment that we do, you know, each episode as we come to the end of the episode, man, if. If you could write a short, well, in this case, verbalize a short letter uh, to your father, you know, what would you say to him? Yo, dear dad, thank you for never allowing my sadness or my upsetness or my, my, um, you know, my attitude to stop you from loving me, whether the love was tough love or even if it was sappy sweet, I appreciate all that you ever did for me. Even though you're in the spirit and you're transitioned and gone to the great beyond, the words that you deposited into me and the lessons you taught me, of them I'm still very fond. So you never got to meet your grandsons but they often ask, wow, who was your dad? And it's with great pride and with great joy I can show them a picture or tell them a story or two and let them know the love that trans transmitted from me to you and from you to me. Blood is thicker than water, even though we were not blood related. But I realized that it was the blood of Christ and it was his anointing and purpose that made our relationship even greater. So in signing off, I would say I'm going to continue to do my best every day to not only make you proud, but to allow our legacy the one that is mo- that is coming forward to prosper and grow and shout loud <laughs> with pride and <laughs> dignity, no matter the cost. Man, I felt that <laughs> one. Man, did you just write a poem on us? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> You you went yeah that was good man we we definitely appreciate that that's I mean I don't know about Matthew but for me that's one of my yeah. favorite parts of the show is just hearing them stories and hearing them them letters to fathers because you know some good some bad some in the middle man but it's always touching for me and yeah just, you know what it is bro you know what it is Jesse you just you 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 win this by not quitting mm-hmm. you know you just don't quit yeah. You don't quit, no matter what. To our fathers who may be listening to this podcast, they may be locked up right now. 
They may be separated right. from their yep. kids from, from circumstances that may or may not have to do with their own doing. Yeah. Just stay conscious of your children. Like I said, I didn't meet my biological father since I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. But like we got a chance to rehash and repatch a relationship, right? You know, so it's like I think we as as fathers, as black husbands, no matter what happens with our spouses, no matter what happens with you know uh, with the world around us, with our freedom or lack thereof, write a letter, keep your kids in your heart, and uh, be encouraged. There's a there's there's a com- a growing community of us that want to be supportive of each other. And um, and we and we understand the challenges that that, you know, fatherhood presents itself. But it's such a great, great upside, man. And, and it's um, and it's one of the most revolutionary things we can really do as black men is, is to, to really be uh, have to have solidarity with, with our black women and, and taking care of our, our children. Um, it's. Um, is it's no is really no greater calling really than to to stay there and to and to be there and to show up and even if you can't show up um to let your children know that you know you carry them in your heart and that they matter to you you know um no man i wholeheartedly agree man and appreciate you just for dropping so many gems i mean you may just think you know you just telling us your everyday story but to me man you dropping so much knowledge on us and everybody listening and watching on the Dear Fathers podcast, and we just appreciate you for it. And uh, you being a great father yourself, you're also an actor. You grew up, you have father figures in your life. But let's touch on this real quick. You know, did you have any top TV dads that you kind of looked up to growing up or even now? Like, who, who was your, your favorite three TV dads? <laughs> Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, Real. sir. And I actually had an Uncle Phil, too, that popped me in the back of the head one time because I was at a dinner table. My cousins remember this. I was at a dinner table one time running my mouth and saying some profane words. I was probably about like nine years old. And he popped me in the back of his head. Of my head. <laughs> and I came back up with peas on my forehead. But it told me manners and it taught me not to, uh, <laughs> not to you know, be profane and, and have discretion. Uh, so definitely um, James Avery, uh, Uncle Phil. And then... Um, you know, I really like Tony Danza. Well, who's the boss? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm he was a dope dad, though, right? Yeah. Now that I think about it. Um, there was a movie called Sounder with Paul Winfield. Um, you can go back, go back and look at um, Paul Winfield was a great dad in the film. Um, and Denzel and John Q. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John Q. Yeah. You know. He, um, we just we just posted a clip of that on Dear Fathers not too long ago, man. He, he was. I mean, we 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 all want to say Heathcliff Huxtable, right? Like that, <laughs> right? We can't we can't lie and pretend that when we were watching Heathcliff Huxtable, that right, we I'm weren't gonna lie. He's still yeah, top three. He ain't yeah, going nowhere. Us at Dear Fathers, <laughs> man, we separate Heathcliff Huxtable from Bill Cosby. Yeah, right? yeah, right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Him as a father on the TV show was an right. amazing father. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so no, we, um, we, we, we definitely understand. So good list, though. Yeah, good man, list, that's man. a solid list for sure. Solid <laughs> list. Well, shoot, you know what? We've been uh, chit-chatting for a while. You know, we really want to thank you and appreciate you for being on the episode. 
And I know you moving and grooving. I know we're going to be moving and grooving as well. But before we get out of here, you got to tell everybody, how can they follow you? What's next? What can we expect from Demetrius? What's going on? Real cool. A couple cool things. Um, I'll be coming up um, in, let me see, about a month on NCIS LA, uh, episode, the Christmas episode. Uh, that's okay. on CBS. And I just uh, co-executive produced the movie with Leah Daniels Butler and um, Henry Butler and Elise Neal. It's called Survival. Uh, that'll be out on streaming platforms. Um, hopefully by the end of the year and, uh, they can find me on, um, across all social media platforms at, uh, Demetrius Gross, D-M-E-T-R-I-U-S-G-R-O-S-S-E. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, Twitter and Instagram, my, my handle's the same. Call us, call it, what they say, uh, call the number same hood, something like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> same number, same hood. It's the same across the platform. But thank you, uh, Matthew, and thank you, Jesse, for having me on. It was a real pleasure to talk to you guys and um, really enlightening stuff you guys are doing and, and sharing and, and helping to cultivate our community. We really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Man. We appreciate you just the same. It's, you know, it, it works hand in hand, right? Like, we got the platform. We want to tell stories like yours. And then speaking of, man, do you got, you know, another one or two fathers in your in your peer circle you think that would be good to come on and uh, kind of tell their story just like you did? Now, once you mention them, you got to help us, you know, get get in contact with them and get them. You got, you got, you know, one or two guys you think will be good for the show? I do. Um, I can definitely mention those people offline and I'll text you guys about that because I want to do some some real thinking about that. Yeah. And, okay. um, and get and really and really be able to make that plug. So, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll hit you guys offline about that for sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, sounds good, man. And again, man, again, I'm very thankful and grateful for you joining us today, man. Great conversation. And we wish you the best in your career and everything that you got going. And uh, yeah, we just appreciate you so much. Hey, this is Demetrius Gross, and you're rocking with Dear Fathers, the only podcast in the world specifically and especially geared towards fathers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dear Fathers podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to our show on the platform of your choice. Follow us on Instagram at dear.fathers and check out our website, dearfathers.com, for more content. This is Matthew Kirby, and I'm signing out. Now let's get back to the fatherhood journey. Peace. Real. Time is money, and I'm working on that richer meal. It's up to me to drop the ball like I'm center field. I got to touch lead better when I'm in the clip. I be in and out the cut like I'm Emmett Smith. They tried to get